Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called Brace for Impact. Oftentimes, we find ourselves with many reasons for why we don't serve God. Over the course of this series, we'll zoom in to examine the lives of four individuals in the Bible who each had their own struggles with serving. We aim to discover how God is calling each of us to work for Him and has uniquely wired us for the task ahead. In this series, uh, Brace for Impact, we've looked at how God calls us to serve Him and at some common reasons, or let's call it what it is, excuses for why we disobey Him and don't serve Him. The first week, we zoomed in on Jonah and talked about possibly the most common reason for not serving, and it's that I don't want to. The second week, we looked at Paul and another common reason for not serving, for not serving that you don't know my past. Last week, Woody urged us to get in the fight and serve God boldly, and today we're examining Moses and talking about yet another excuse for not serving, and it's that I have issues. I don't know about you, but I sure know that one well. I know that one real well. I can't even, can't even uh, get, put a shirt on without a button coming off. I got issues. How many, know, how many of y'all know today that you have issues too? Um, so if you have your Bibles today, uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible today, the Bible in front of you, it's on page 935, Hebrews chapter 3. And starting in verse 1, we'll read verses 1 through 6, starting in verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. This is the word of the Lord, so thanks be to God. Many of y'all may not know, but I love music. I actually, I went to school for music. Um, never thought I would be preaching on a Sunday morning. Um, I love music. But one of the most nerve-wracking things ever when you're playing music is when you mess up. I've done it many a time. Um, I, I love playing bass, and it's, 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 it's nice. You get a pass when you play bass, because when you mess up, half the time nobody even notices you mess up, because it's, it's low, and you, you can just kind of get away with it. But, man, I've played drums some, too. And when you mess up on drums, everybody knows you messed up. Believe me. Um, and so when I was thinking about having issues, um, my mind went to, to jazz, weirdly enough. Um, and jazz, as you know, is very improvisational. Um, some people think people just play whatever they want. That's not true. There is a structure behind it. Um, and so as I was looking, I came across uh, this story that Herbie Hancock once told. 
He's a famous jazz musician. And he said one time he was playing jazz at, at, a, at a club. One time he was playing piano, famous piano player. Uh, music was filling the air. Everyone's having a great time. Um, in fact, Miles Davis, the famous trumpet player, he was, he was improvising. He was playing a solo. And all of a sudden, as Herbie's playing along, he's playing everything right, he plays the wrong chord. It's like, bang! Like, just the wrong, it's, it's just, just bad. Like, and everybody was, you know. And so all of a sudden, he, man, he, he thought to himself, he's like, man, I, I messed up. Like, this is, this is rough. And Miles Davis, the trumpet player, he paused and he changed the notes that he played to fit that chord. And it astounded Herbie. He was like, how, how did that happen? How could, he, how could he make up for my mistake? And he said something very interesting. He said, Herbie said, Miles was able to make something that was wrong into something that was right. Since he didn't hear it as a mistake, he felt it was his opportunity to find something that fit. Now, let me be clear in this analogy. We're, we're not Miles Davis in the story. We're, we're not. We're, we're Herbie Hancock. We're, we're the people that mess something up. God is the one who builds something beautiful out of broken people. Because he made us, he doesn't see us as mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. However, we're all something wrong fundamentally. Something is wrong with all of us. We all have issues. However, Jesus Christ, our cornerstone, is choosing to build the house of God with broken people. Jesus, who is the master builder, makes a masterpiece out of us, and we are his handiwork created for good works. Let's serve with Jesus and build his house, knowing that his power is made perfect in our weakness. So one, one great example of a faithful servant, as we saw in our text today, verse 2 and verse 5, as they describe him, was, was Moses. And Moses was an impressive guy. I would argue probably the most important character outside of God, obviously, in the Old Testament. Like, everything refers back to Moses. Moses, if you're not familiar, he was the one that led the Israelites on dry ground through the Red Sea. Like, that's, that's insane. How do you lead a people, like, he led a people through dry ground through the Red Sea. He's the one who gave the Ten Commandments and the law. God appeared to him in the burning bush and declared himself to Moses as the great I am. And Moses was the first leader of the Israelites as a people. It's pretty astounding. But if you're not familiar with his place in the unfolding plan of salvation in the Bible, um, Exodus, where we find him, is the second book of the Bible. And in the first book is Genesis, where we find that God created the world, that we sinned, and that God promised that there would be someone who we know today is Jesus, who would crush the head of the serpent, the devil, and redeem us. And then later in the book, God makes a promise with Abraham, and he says that Abraham would be the father of many nations. In Genesis 15, 13, though, 
God says to Abraham that his descendants will be enslaved for 400 years in a foreign land. Abraham's great-grandson Joseph was sold into slavery to Egypt by his brothers and would eventually raise in stature with the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. I'm sure you all know about the Pharaoh. Um, And eventually he reconciled with his brothers and they came to Egypt and they had many children that would become the Israelites. And that's where we find Moses at the start of, of Exodus is the Israelites were still in Egypt. And in Exodus 1, it tells us that there was a Pharaoh that came and he didn't know Joseph. He didn't know Joseph who had helped um, get through a famine. He didn't know of him. And so with all the Israelites there, he decided to enslave them. And so we see that God's word to Abraham, that his descendants would be enslaved for 400 years, that came to pass. And it's here we find Moses. And like I said, Moses was an impressive guy. I mean, Red Sea, Ten Commandments. He was a very impressive guy. A faithful servant. But even he, even Moses, was a man who had issues. He had significant issues. And you say, what issues did he have? Well, first, he had severe childhood issues. He was sent down the Nile to, invo- to avoid infanticide. The Pharaoh decided that the, the Hebrews were getting so big that they might overpower the Egyptians. And so he ordered for every boy to be thrown into the Nile and killed. So, this, so Moses, his mom decided to put him in a basket, have him float down the river, and he narrowly escaped being being murdered, being frankly aborted right at the start. I'd say that's a pretty, pretty big thing to overcome. Um, but we know later on in the New Testament that there would be someone else who would avoid being killed right at the start by an evil king who decided to, to kill every boy. And that's Jesus. And you say, okay, why are you bringing up Jesus? We're talking about Moses here. What's, okay, what's, what's happening? Well, every prophet, priest, and king in the Old Testament points, it sheds light on the perfect prophet, priest, and king who was to come, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the greater Moses. Moses' weaknesses ultimately point us to the only one who could fulfill the mission that Moses was called to of building up God's house. That person is Jesus Christ. And just as a little aside, as a little pro tip here, when you read any passage of scripture, ask yourself where Jesus fits in, where you see Jesus in the scripture. And I promise that the Bible will never be boring to you again. When you, once you see where Jesus is in the Bible. So my question to you today is, have you had a hard childhood? that you can't seem to overcome. Everyone has had terrible circumstances at some point in their life, and some of us face them even as early on in our childhood. And we see in Moses that God desires even people who come out of the worst circumstances to serve him. That he can equip 
even people with terrible childhoods to serve him. If you have childhood issues, take heart that you are serving under Jesus to build his house, knowing that his power is made perfect in our weakness. He cares for you and understands the pain that you have experienced. We can trust that our heavenly father will look after all of our needs as we seek to serve him. So we see that Moses has childhood issues. What other issues does he have? Well, he has sin issues. And don't you know this morning that we all have sin issues? Moses was a murderer. He was a murderer. He killed an Egyptian. We see in Exodus 2, 11 through 12. He killed a guy. Can God use even murderers? Do you know this morning that there is no one too far from God? God can save even a murderer. Many people in, in here may be familiar with the name Jeffrey Dahmer. You probably didn't think you'd hear about Jeffrey Dahmer on a Sunday morning. Jeffrey Dahmer was a cannibal, a serial killer, a rapist. You name it, he probably did it. In the 1970s, he killed many people in Wisconsin. And yet, by all accounts, Jeffrey Dahmer became a Christian. And we'll see him in heaven. God gave new life to a murderer. Someone who did terrible things took him and called him his son. I hope you're okay that there's going to be murderers in heaven. I hope you're okay with that. I hope you're comfortable with that. They won't be as they were on earth. And neither will we. We will be holy in heaven because God will make us holy. And that's the hope that we have in our sin. Another example of someone, and this is a little more current, Bashir Muhammad. Bashir Muhammad, as I was researching, I found that he fought in Syria for Al-Qaeda. He probably killed many Christians even. He probably did some terrible things. He was definitely a terrorist. But now, today, he holds Christian prayer meetings in his house. The man who was serving in Al-Qaeda is now serving the Lord. That's incredible. That is good news. Even today, right this very moment, the Taliban is doing terrible things in Afghanistan. But do you know this morning that they are not too far from God? The Taliban isn't too far from God. We serve a gracious, gracious God. Well, I bet far in this room, I bet very few in this room have ever murdered someone. I don't know, but I, I, I would, if I was a betting man, that'd be my bet. Do you believe you could ever be truly forgiven for the sin in your life? Do you feel that God's always going to hold it over your head? We see in Exodus 2 that that's exactly what the Israelites, the Hebrews that that Moses was trying to intervene in a situation that that's what they did to him. In verse 14, it says, after he tried to break up a fight, the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? 
Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And Moses was afraid, thinking everyone knows what I did. Let me tell you, the single most comforting thing is to know that you can be fully known and fully loved by Jesus Christ. You can be fully known and fully loved. When Jesus, when he redeems you, when he calls you his own, 1 Corinthians tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. Your sin is separated as far as the east is from the west, is what scripture tells us. You do not need to worry that God is still thinks of you as a murderer. He has called you righteous if you are in Jesus. Love keeps no record of wrongs. The grace of redemption shown to Moses is a picture of the grace of redemption shown to us through Jesus Christ. We saw through Paul's life as well a couple weeks ago that despite his sinful past, God used him to do big things. Although Moses was a murderer, God used him to accomplish big things. He has made him a new creation and used him in big ways to build his house. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How gracious is our God that he takes our broken and he takes broken and sinful people, restores them entirely, and places them as building blocks for his house to dwell in. That God would want to dwell in a sinner like me. How do you explain it? Jesus has cleansed us of our sin, bearing our iniquities, our sin on the cross, and has called us righteous. There's no sin that can hold you back from serving God in a way he himself is calling you to. He's bigger than your sinful past. Therefore, let's serve Jesus and build his house, knowing that his power is made perfect in our weakness, even in our sinfulness. God is bigger. So issues in his childhood, he had sin issues. He also had identity issues, severe, severe identity issues. Moses was raised in the Pharaoh's household. We, we see that he was, he had, he had escaped being killed as a baby. And yet he was raised by Pharaoh, the very one who issued that decree to kill every Hebrew boy. Like, you better believe he had some serious identity issues going on here. And there were pros and cons to being raised in Pharaoh's household. I mean, like y'all have probably seen depictions of Pharaohs with their really cool clothes and their, their big goatee. I don't, I don't know what the fashion was back then, but you won't see me at least this long. I got a weird little beard here going on, but it ain't ever going to be this big. Um, building pyramids. Had the sphinx, like, there was incredible amounts of wealth that pharaohs had. But at the same time, to Moses, it really, I mean, it's almost the equivalent of a Jew being raised by Hitler, when you really think about it. Like, Pharaoh enslaved his whole people, was calling for boys to be killed. How do you, how do you come back from that? Like, how do you, 
How do you know who you are when you're raised by the enemy? And so we see that he had a confusion of identity. After the murder that took place, the Jews didn't accept him, even though he was trying to stand up for them. He didn't accept them, and Pharaoh sought to kill him. He had to go on the run. And he spent 40 years tending sheep just in a faraway land. This was such a big deal to Moses that he named his kid, we see in Exodus 2.22, the Hebrew for I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Like That was the kid's name. That's, that's how much of an important thing. Um, I don't know if you're still kicking around uh, baby names, but I have been a sojourner in a foreign land is pretty solid. That's a good one. Uh, y'all too back there. And we got some more, we got some more pregnant folks in here. Um, like that's, 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 that's pretty significant to Moses' story. Have you felt like you ever don't fit in? I know I have. I was born in New Jersey, but raised down here. So I was always the Yankee that was in the South. I never totally fit in. I'd, I'd hear people messing with me all the time about it. And even on a more serious note, like I, I mean, my family, we were the only ones in Virginia. There was four Schweggles in the whole state of Virginia. Now there's five with my wife, but we, uh, you know, we, we were alone um, as far as family goes. Um, and when I went off to college, I mean, in, in high school, my dad had lost his job for a significant amount of time. And so we didn't have much money. Uh, we almost lost our house, and yet the college I ended up going to was one of the most wealthiest, like, wealthy people at UVA. So I felt out of place all the time. Like, I, I was the broke kid that had maybe $10 in my bank account, and everybody's out there going on these, like, nice summers. I learned what summers were. That's, that's a, that was a new thing for me. I learned what a... Uh, what is it, a blue blazer, like those like suit jackets. I didn't know what that was growing up. I didn't have money for that. And so my whole time there, I had to figure out who I was. Like, I just felt like an outcast in a lot of ways. And, and I'm sure I put that on myself some, but, but I want you to know this morning that God created you with purpose. Jesus Christ is the master builder. You may not feel that you fit in, but to Jesus, you are the perfect fit in his grand design. We learn from 1 Corinthians that we are the temple, the house of God. That's, that's crazy. That God, we see in the Old Testament that in the temple is where God would, would manifest in the, in the mercy seat, in the holy of holies. We also learn from scripture that no house built by humans can contain God. But at the same time, like it was a picture to the Israelites of God's presence on earth. And his presence now is in us as Christians. That's crazy. You see in the Old Testament, all these specific, you know, rituals for holiness. Like we got to take that seriously today. We are the temple of the living God. That's, that's big. But we learn, from, we learn that we are the temple in 1 Corinthians, not just us individually, but together with believers all over the world. Both individually and collectively, we are the temple. 
If you feel like an outcast today in our culture, know that Jesus makes clear that he was the cornerstone that the builders rejected. Let me repeat that. Jesus, our cornerstone, was the stone that the builders rejected. Well, who were the builders? Well, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Israel at the time, they're the builders. With hard hearts, they disregarded Jesus. They mocked him, they scorned him, and they called for his crucifixion. They should have known better. They had the law of Moses. They had the Old Testament pointing to Jesus, and yet they, they said, no, we don't want you. They rejected Jesus. If you feel rejected today, know that we serve a risen Savior that was an outcast amongst his people too. Even though Moses struggled with where he fit in, God called him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and form them as a people united to serve the Lord. The outcast was the one that was gathering the people together to serve the Lord. How could he have done that? Only with God. Only with God. If you have identity issues, I want you to feel right at home here. We are all sojourners in exile here on this earth. This earth is not our home. It should never feel comfortable to us. Our identity is found in Christ. Our identity is not found in where we're from, be that the country, the South, America. It's not found in any of that. It's not found in our race. It's not found in our, our money, our social status. It's not found in politics. It's not found in any of that. Our identity is found in Christ. If you don't feel like an outcast in society, you may need to check to see how much you're looking like the world. Now, if you have identity issues and you feel like an outcast here in the church, I want you to come see me because we're all brothers and sisters here. There's, there's, no one should feel like an outcast in our church, in any church. We are the people of God, and God loves the outcast. God loves the foreigner. So let's serve with Jesus and build his house, knowing that his power is made perfect in our weakness. All right, so childhood issues, sin issues, identity issues. It's, it's starting to kind of snowball here. He's also got qualification issues. For 40 years, he's been tending sheep. 40 years. If I just like moved off to, let's say, Montana, right? I leave there and I work over there for 40 years. I don't know if I'd remember what was going on here in Chesterfield. I don't know if my heart would still break for, for people here. 40 years is a long time. You start to forget what was even happening. How could a guy that's been removed for 40 years be the one to tell people, uh, to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go? How could he be the one that did it? Wasn't he too far away from even what was happening there? 
We also see that Moses was very slow of speech. No one should have handed him a microphone. He would have probably said something crazy and or would have stuttered or who knows? Who knows what Moses would have done? He knew that himself. We see Exodus 4, 10 through 12. It says, but Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. But we don't, we don't end there. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. You see, there's a there's a common saying um, that I've heard quite a bit. It's that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You've also heard it is God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And I think it's honestly a little bit of a misnomer because it almost kind of implies that there can be people qualified that God himself didn't qualify. It doesn't totally work out. Like if you are, if you have a gift, someone had to give you that gift. No one's just talented on their own. God had to give them that talent. You see, God is the potter and we are the clay. God can and will, and he sure has done in my life, mold us and shape us and build us into what he desires. And family, let me tell you today that that is comforting. That is very comforting. I mean, we, we were created from dust. We are animated dust in a way. It is God who brings form to us. It is God who gives us life, the very breath in our lungs. There's no one that's qualified apart from God. No one. There was a, there was a song lyric that went through my mind as I was preparing, and it's how refreshing to know you don't need me, how amazing to find that you want me. How refreshing to know you don't need me. How amazing to find that you want me. If you don't feel qualified today, if you don't feel like you have the skills necessary to serve the Lord, I want you to know today that you're exactly right. You're not qualified. You don't have the skills necessary. I'm I'm sorry, you don't. I don't either. But that's the God we serve. A God who knows that we cannot offer him anything he doesn't have in himself and yet empowers us by his spirit to accomplish big things. A God who used a man slow of speech to talk for him. He was his mouthpiece to Pharaoh. The prophet was the guy with a speech problem. Only God can do that. And that serves as an example to all of us that God can use any of us, no matter how qualified we may feel or not. God can use us in big ways to serve him. Don't you know that we're all a little slow of speech before a holy God? 
Once you know that you can't offer anything at all, then you'll understand how incredible it is that God can and does equip us. Y'all ever heard the saying, Rome wasn't built in a day? My grandpa used to say that's because he wasn't a foreman. (laughs) Y'all heard about him last time. And some people think that the same thing happens, the same thing applies to working for God. As someone serving a ministry, I'm often tempted to think, well, if I was in charge of so-and-so ministry, it it would be much more efficient. If I was the missionary, there'd be thousands of people getting saved. Come on now. If only they had my intellect, my charisma, my you fill in the blank. And while it's true there's always ways to improve, this is the wrong mindset. Friends, this is prideful. That's the very epitome of pride right there. You are not the master builder. Jesus Christ is. Any talent that you have is a gift from God. Don't think it's of you. You may say, I worked hard for what I have. I've made a life for myself. It was me and my talent, my intellect, my drive, my determination. I've achieved what... No, it was not you. It wasn't you. If you think you're the reason your life is successful, you do not understand the God we serve. It is God and God alone who has the power to grant you any amount of fortune or success. It is God alone who saves sinners, lest any man should boast. If you think you're qualified, you're not. Period. Now, the good news is that God can and will equip you to serve him. He doesn't leave us as just blank slates. But you must understand that it is him who does the equipping. You're not gifted on your own. I'm not gifted on my own. Someone had to give that gift to me. Anything I have, anything you have, is a gift from God. We need to utterly depend on God to empower us and qualify us for the mission of saving souls. Let's serve with Jesus and build his house knowing that his power is made perfect and our weakness. So the band can come up as I, as I come to a close. Um, so where do we go from here? I mean, we see in Moses and we see in ourselves that we childhood issues, sin issues, identity issues, qualification issues. And we as believers know all too well how messed up we are. We see that Moses had the same understanding as well. Moses asked God in Exodus 3, 11, he said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? You see, Moses understood how deeply flawed he really was. And God's response is one of the most powerful moments of the Bible. He answered Moses right there. I will be with you. You see, the confidence we have in serving God is built upon the promise that God is with us 
that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that we are never alone. Our text for today in Hebrews, it ends with a warning. You might have noticed, the end of verse 6, it says, And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Well, how in the world can we as a people with issues even do that? How can we do that? How can we know we're actually God's house? How can we know, how can we keep our courage and our hope in Christ and remain confident in that? Well, I have good news for you today. The answer to that question isn't just that we muster up enough courage, that we muster up the confidence and the hope in Christ. That's not good news for any of us. It's not. I know myself. I am broken and I have issues. If that's the solution, I can't make it. But the answer is found at the very start of the verse. It says, but Christ as the son is in charge of, the, of God's entire house. You see, the church is built on the cornerstone. The master builder himself is Jesus. We have our foundation on the rock of ages. Jesus Christ. The only way we persevere is by Christ alone. We can have confidence in him this morning. There's a fancy theological point um, on this that's called the perseverance of the saints, which means that those that God has saved, true believers, will persevere to the end and will never lose their salvation. And R.C. Sproul once said that instead of perseverance of the saints, we should think of it more as preservation of the saints. I'm going to repeat that. He said, instead of perseverance of the saints, we should think of it more as preservation of the saints. A marker of true Christians is that they persevere because they're fundamentally preserved by God. We persevere because we're preserved by God. That means that even when we fail or fall away for a time, God draws back every true Christian to himself. Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. There is no power on, uh, on earth, under the earth, that can separate you from Jesus Christ. There's no power. In the song Christ Alone, we see a lyric that just speaks to this beautifully. It came right to my mind. It said, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. Because Christ is in charge of God's house and we are not. Because Christ is faithful and we in and of ourselves are not. That's how we can have confidence in our salvation. That's how we can have hope that we can obey him 
and serve him faithfully like Moses despite our issues. If you have childhood issues, look to our heavenly father who chose you as his house to dwell in. Since you have sin issues, everyone in this room has sin issues. Look to the son who died in your place and to the Holy Spirit that continues to bear fruit in us. If you have identity issues, know that you have a home in the house of God. And since you have qualification issues, know that it is God who is with us. Let's serve with Jesus and build his house, knowing that his power is made perfect in our weakness. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you call broken people to you. Lord, thank you that you empower us to serve you. God, our hope is built in nothing less than the righteousness of Christ. God, we thank you. We thank you that you didn't need us that you want us, Lord, that you love us despite ourselves, God. God, empower us to serve you, Lord, to tell others about you, God, to be a witness to Chesterfield, Lord, to Richmond, to Virginia, the United States, the world, Lord. This world desperately needs to hear about you, God. We don't need, we don't need the news to remind us of that, God. in control. You supply our every need, God, and we thank you for it. God, help us to trust in you more and more, God, and we give you all the praise and all of the glory, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.